This season, turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. Can't live on that bread alone. Every word of God's mouth will fuel me on. That's scripture, that's Christ alone. That's grace alone, that's faith alone. All glory to God, cause that's his alone. Since the land's been slain, we can each belong. The Lord is my strength, my peace, and my song. Get our Lay it all down at the feet of his throne. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Fails torn in tubes and we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to bring them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. It's a year of the feast, we gon' grow some Time to put some meat on the bones Gotta put the milk down, son, it's time to leave home I'm just saying there's a time in the season You gotta be a Berean If you just hear and believe it, you could be walking with demons It could be rendering season All the things that go to God, that's a little like treason Wait, welcome back, my friends Did you ever really think we could pass the 10? Our stock's up, we about to trend Cause the whole 36 wanna rap again Wait, sounds like good to be true Like we're bending candy land, ain't no ladders, just shoot We hold true, if it's older than the canon Best believe it's understanding, if it's not, it ain't proof like sacred name of the two house frame ES start to tickle then you fill it in the blanks You better not, you be better off Not trying to hassle half, you can take it to the bank This night ready, he's about to go off Put the ring on your finger from the cracker jack box It's hide and seek, let's see if you can find out All the little messages you hear before the timeout Ever seen a scholar with a blue belt? I have, he's about to make your food melt The loud one and he strikes again But don't let him close range, he gon' bite your friends So relax, gotta still in control He knows every care, every village you hold He knows every hair, every need for your soul Nothing new round here, this story's been told I bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters With bruised feet, your body is battered You can't reach, trying to climb up that ladder Sit back and hold fast to Messiah Matters Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. This is Messiah Matters number 458. We're an hour early. Let's see if the 36 can figure it out. My name is Caleb Hag. 458. Way. I like that way in our new uh, new intro music. Way. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <Way>. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Hey, we're an hour early. I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's not Rob's fault. It's all my fault. It's me. It's not you. It's me. It's not you. I got something (laughs) going on at 10 o'clock and I figured, you know what? Instead of canceling the show, let's just, let's just go early. And so here we are an hour early. I'm going to guess, and I could be wrong. I'm going to guess that the, uh, the numbers in the chat room are going to be low, but that's okay. The people that are already in there got a good showing already there's people so. already there <laughs> nice there Welcome. is people already in there yeah they're, they, they've they figured it out dedication man they're just sitting around waiting for us to come on <laughs> all right all right so 
Let's, uh, should we just jump in? Well, okay, let's do this first. Of course, as, as everyone already knows, we got we to gotta tell people how to get a hold of us. See Hegg at TorahResource.com. C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. You can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Um, you won't talk to us. You just talk to a answering machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever you want. Okay. Uh, and, of course, you can find all of our past shows at messiahmatters.com. All 457 of them. That's right. Plus shorts, um, plus our new um, new edition, Mystery Bible Theater. That's right. Which has, I don't know, 20-something more. Yep. yep. Exactly. We got a good one coming up this Friday, too. It's going to be fun. All right. <laughs> of course, this show is produced by Torah Resource. TorahResource.com. Find all sorts of wonderful things there as well. Um, man, there's some good stuff on that site. <laughs> I, You know, I can say that because there's I just not... Said, I just went to it this morning. I went to the articles because I got an email, someone asking about calendar issues. I went to TorahResource.com in the little search tab, calendars. Did, did, did a couple uh, results pop up. I click two of them, find the one that it best answers the person's question. And I said, hey, have a look at this article by Tim Haig. Yep. Yep. It's that Great. easy. It it's is that easy. It, it's that easy. It is. Yep. I <laughs> help agree. your friends. Come on. Help. Help your friends. Okay. Finally. sharing resources. Last, but probably most importantly. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it really does help us. You can also like this video if you're already subscribed. Okay, that's what it's going to be. That's what that's how we're going to do. Okay, let's go. Now, I know that Rob wants the main topic to be the First Corinthians passage. That's great. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with something a little different. We'll we'll ease into it. We'll ease into main topic, uh, main topic land. Okay, this one from Eric. Cool. I'm I'm up. Let's I'm let's game. go. I'm game. Let's go to Eric first. Eric writes. Question is now he wrote a a, a long email. I I uh, pared it down a little bit for us. Question per John fourteen six through seven. Let's stop and read. John 14, 6, and 7, real quick, so we understand his context. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, by the way, just an FYI for those who are interested, and I'm sure you're probably not. This is a rabbit trail for sure. Ben, the guy who uh, who did the rap music, who uh, who rapped and uh, uh, wrote the lyrics for our intro music, he is a purple belt, and his uh, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he's one of my coaches. And he, uh, when he got his purple belt, our professor had stitched onto his belt John six fourteen because it is his favorite verse. So now every you time we four, see him on four, 14, uh, six? 14, six, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. 14, okay, six, because cool, cool, cool. that's his favorite verse. And so now every time we see him on the mat, there it is. John 14, six. That's cool. It is cool. Okay. So let's go back to Eric's initial question. He says, question is per John 14, six through seven, do non-Messianic Jews worship slash serve the same God as Messianic Jews and Christians, even though they reject his son Yeshua as the Messiah, a.k.a. the way, the truth, and the life, how can those who believe in God, the Father, without God's son Yeshua, still claim access to him through prayer, worship, etc., without using the proper channel, that is, belief in Yeshua? Christians, Messianic Jews, and non-Messianic Jews alike all claim to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but is it possible for non-Messianic Jews to worship the right God the wrong way? <clears throat> we talked about this several years ago, actually. And uh, we got put, put in a lot of hot water for it. At least I did. I got, uh, I got a lot of responses. And the reason why was at the time I said, no, the Jews do not worship the same God as Christians. And the reason why is because they are rejecting Yeshua. Now, since then, I will admit that I think I've rethought. And I, I would say that they are, uh, because they, the people of God are 
in other words, since, okay, let's, I gotta, I gotta say this correctly. Because the descendants of Jacob are the chosen uh, line to carry on the covenants, there is something unique and special about Israel and the bloodline of the Jews. And that uniqueness is that they have been uh, they have been chosen to carry on the oracles of God. That is the uniqueness. And when we as Gentiles become covenant members, we become part of the remnant of Israel. Okay, so with all of that said, do non-believing Jews worship the same God? I will say that they think that they worship the same God, and they may even be addressing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, the Father is is God, obviously, and I think that... that uh, non-believing Israel, we have to be careful because the remnant of Israel still worships the same God that we do, right? Because they come in spirit and truth through the son Yeshua, right? Non-believing Israel, however, they uh, are attempting to worship the same God, but they don't have access to the father. That is my belief. They, they have no access to the father. So they can, they can pray, they can sing, they can study all they want. But until they realize that the only way to come to the Father is through Yeshua, they do not have access to the Father. Now, this doesn't mean that God can't work in the lives of anyone, right? God can work in the life of an of a atheist if he wants to, and he does every single day. The fact that we, uh, every single human on earth is breathing air into their lungs is a miracle from God. So I'm not saying that God can't work in the lives of people who don't believe in him. However... Does God hear the prayers of non-believing Israel? I would say the answer is no. He hears the prayers of the remnant of Israel who come to him through his son, Yeshua. That is my belief. Rob? Yeah, great question. Uh, thanks for sending that in, Eric. Um, I love it. So I, I have a few things to say. One, one thing right on the heels of Caleb's last point here is praying at the Kotel, praying at the Western Wall, does nothing for you know what i mean it that's not a way to get your prayers heard you know what i mean like in the orthodox jewish world they will go pray at the wailing wall they'll even write prayers on little slips of paper and tuck them between the stones um same thing at in ultra orthodox hasidic dynasties they'll go to the graves of like Schneerson, for example, in, I think it's in Brooklyn, isn't it? Is it in Brooklyn or Crown Heights or wh yep. wherever, wherever uh, Schneerson's burial place is? They'll go there and they they pray there because they think that proximity to the grave of who those they consider righteous um, somehow increases their uh, connection. Right, they got better internet service, you know, <laughs> to better Wi-Fi, um, and you know, you see that also in Catholicism. You know, the idea of that um, that you can, you know, that one could pray to Mary, for example, because Mary has a high, higher um, Wi-Fi connection to Jesus. That you know what I mean? That that sort of thing. So we, it doesn't have to be in Judaism that we see this kind of weird uh, uh, idea of what of prayer, what is prayer, what is access to the Father, and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you cited Romans too because it's anticipating our Mystery Bible Theater this week, I think. Um, but just just to rehearse, and I'll, I'm going to be a little bit long-winded. Romans two twelve for all who have sinned without. The Torah will perish without the Torah. Those who have sinned not under but in the Torah will be judged by the Torah. For it is not the hearers of the Torah who are just before God, but the doers of the Torah will be justified. And then, like Caleb mentions, you know, it's uh, uh, Israel was given the oracles of God and, and this sort of thing. Um, so I, two other scriptures that I want to cite, and then I'll talk about them. The first is also in Romans, Romans 10.1. Paul says, brethren, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them, that is for Israel, is their salvation. For I testify that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. So right. Paul would 
um, so the Israel that I believe Paul is talking about are those that he would talk about in Romans 2.12, those who are in the Torah. That means uh, these are Jews that I would say Paul believes are, they believe in, in what we call the Old Testament, right? We They believe in the Tanakh. And they're, so they have a canon that is true, but exactly, precisely as Paul teaches us here. So their zeal for God is according to the canon. Right. It, they're, however, the, they are blind to God's righteousness. Therefore, they are, um, they are not convicted of their own sin, that they're not convicted of their desperate uh, need, right? Their, their total depravity. They're not convicted of their depravity. So they have the right canon and they have zeal for the right God, but they lack the, uh, this, the Ruach, right? Okay. So, but I would, the second verse I want to go to is John four, where Yeshua is talking to the Samaritan woman. So the Samaritans have a Pentateuch. So right. they're what we would call mosaic covenantal community. You know what I mean? Just in descriptive purposes, but they reject Jerusalem. They, that means they reject David, Solomon. They reject all the prophets. Right. Um, right. Uh, and so they have, and, and they've modified their Pentateuch. So what has Yeshua said? He, Because uh, um, she's saying, well, you guys say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but we worship here, this sort of thing. In John 4, 22, Yeshua says, you guys worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is ekton yudayon, it is of the Judeans or of the Jews. I believe what Yeshua is saying there is, you guys have, you, you Samaritans have a, you are, it's it's a different, it's not the same thing that Paul's talking about in Romans 10. You guys have a canon problem, <laughs> right? Like, right. You, you need more, it, you need a different kind of chiropractic care Adjustment, than, right. than the Pharisees do. You both need a chiropractor, but the, the, you know what I mean? The, it's much more dire of a situation for the Samaritans. Now I would say that Paul, if, if we were to be able to interview Paul or Yeshua for that matter, I mean, but just Paul, because he's talking about, um, those who have a zeal for God, I don't think he's talking about the Essenes. I think Paul would say the Essenes, they asserted a different calendar. They had Jubilees. He would say they are, they are. They worship a different God. I think Paul would probably not hesitate to say they are more like the Samaritans. You you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you worship. What you worship. So I would say Yeshua and Paul would say to the Essenes the same thing that Yeshua says to the Samaritan woman. You don't know what you're doing. Whereas to Pharisees who hold to a, a canon, he would say. You have a zeal for God, but but it's you, you're you're not you're blind to the righteousness of God. So that's how I would parse that out. To, but what complicates it back to the the contemporary day where we see you know from the Middle Ages the praying at the graves of the you know the those considered the Jewish righteous sages. That is where I'm more like yeah, it's a different God, like. It went once once the, the Babylonian Talmud becomes the main kind of book of Judaism, and then the Kabbalists build up their – it's a different God, right? It, it's, it is very different. So I guess my answer is a big depends upon, and I would say depends upon time and place. Look, I, I've said this so many times on this show. You know, modern-day Israel – and this gets into a lot of various uh, realms of theology. Let's just start back in the beginning, right? Israel comes out of Egypt. They go to uh, the mountain. Moses goes up on the mountain. Instead of waiting, what do they do? They build the golden calf. Then they get to Israel. What happened to this guy? Yeah, then, then they get to the land. And instead of saying, yes, we accept your covenant. We, yes, you are our God. We accept your covenant. They say, no, we don't want the land. God wanders them around for 40 years because they won't accept it brings them back. They accept the covenant. They go into the land. Instantaneously, what happens? They start worshiping all sorts of false gods. 
And we see this throughout the t- Tanakh, right? They continue to they continue to, to worship these false gods. God constantly is like, hey, stop following after the balls. You get a little bit of relief from time to t- time, right? King Josiah and whatnot, but ult- King David. But ultimately, Israel is following after the balls. We come into the modern ages, you know. We come, we come into, we come into the time of Yeshua. The same thing is happening. He's, he's, he's lamb blasting them for saying and saying, "You guys don't know what you're doing. Your heart is not right. You're not following after God." We get into the Middle Ages. All this Kabbalism and mysticism comes about, right? And it influences Ju- Judaism. And then all of a sudden, we get to the 20th century. And what happens? The Messianic movement rises and says, "Hey, Israel's got it." All things Jewish are good. There is a disconnect here that people don't get. Because if you look at the religion of the Hasids and many Orthodox Jews, and I, you know, I presented this at a at a conference one time, and people were really upset. I thought people were gonna be like, oh yeah, of course. No, no. no. People were Dude, really upset. I think upset. two of the main leaders that were most upset are no longer yeah. uh yeah, yeah. I think They're, they were rabbis. And they are Rabbis, no longer. <laughs> yeah, they're wearing black and <laughs> but white. But they were in, They looked the part, man. I'm oh, telling man, you. Oh man, the payout and everything. But but the thing is, is that the Israel is I still was following. There. That was like <laughs> almost ten years. Like that was yeah. 2015. Maybe. Yeah, that people don't realize that Israel is still following after the balls. And I'm, I, I hate to burst the, the messianic bubble. And, and by the way, for those who are going to start writing the emails telling me I have no clue what I'm talking about or I've never been in the movement or whatever, I started going to a messianic Jewish synagogue when I was six years old. I'm 42. I went all the way to a messianic Jewish synagogue all the way up until what, four or five years ago? I've been in the movement for a really long time. I've been to UMJC, MJAA. I've discussed with IAMCS members. You name Caleb it. Caleb has the shirts. He's bought I got, the books. Yes. He's bought the shirts. Man, I have coasters. Okay. No, I'm fine. Anyway, the, the point is, is that um, I, I've been in this movement a long time. Now- Right. You're not, you're right. You're not speaking as a as, neophyte. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not speaking from the outside. Here's the other thing is that uh, I'm going to, you know, you're going to hear the fire come out, right? But at the same time, there are plenty of wonderful- brothers and sisters in the Messianic movement. My dad, I work for a Messianic Jewish company. My dad is a wonderful scholar in the Messianic Jewish realm. So I'm not saying that everybody is is out to lunch, but what I'm saying is that as a whole, the Messianic movement, what they've done is they've globbed on to all things Jewish. If Israel has done, if, if, if rabbinic Judaism is doing it, hey, it must be good, right? All things Jewish are good. And my point is, is that we need to step back and say, look, when I was in Israel, the, the breast lovers told, you know, I went to David's tomb and they said, now we're going to say a prayer to David. And I thought, whoa, that was my first, that was my first, whoa, whoa. You're like, wait a minute. Are we Catholic? Wait, yeah. (laughs) What are we doing here? Where did this come from? Right. And the, the point is, is that no, this is a false religion. That's called necromancy. And the Torah is very, very specific about necromancy. They try. Okay. I'm so glad you you mentioned that the way, if you, if you push Catholics or, or, you know, Kabbalists, either one on this idea of necromancy, the put the what the response is, no, it's different because (laughs) we're not just, we're not consulting any dead. (laughs) <laughs> we're no seriously they're they are they are consulting or this dead the, person's um, important treating the special dead that yeah. is the righteous dead yeah right and so the yeah. catholic catholicism has a whole host of of acceptable dead right which they are say you on are the righteous list? therefore they are living and the same thing on the ultra orthodox side there's a whole uh bunch <laughs> of acceptable dead that is right those whom they call are righteous and are therefore living and that they they are uh, heavenly intercessors. The book of life is not is not a a list of dead people you're now allowed to talk to. Oh my! And here's the right? thing. I, and I was thinking about this because I I you know it's been on my heart. The Catholics that I've interacted with they they're really they really believe this you know. And it's like the way I look at like at this is that when we're beholding Yeshua's glory. All other people are relegated to a giant choir, right? Name a, a nameless choir, right? It, it's 
this idea of I, I saw a meme it was really good it was like here's here's about jesus and it said the, ne- and the next picture is catholics like oh cool now tell now show us mary <laughs> like like <laughs> they were just unimpressed like they're more right. impressed with and it's like wow and on one hand it's i laugh and on the other hand it's like it really it's like man it, it really speaks to how fallen we humans are you know back to that total depravity um and that religion religions of traditions of man really do have become craftily shaped to to appeal to the need for some sort of comfort in something in this world comfort in in myth rather than the re, the stark reality of depravity and righteousness only in the accomplished work of of the messiah so uh we're going to acknowledge the super chat here uh now i'm i I think i got this but ski bro the hebrew awesome handle by the way hey ski bro i says i hear you bro about the messianic movement been there laugh out loud the special dead all right let's see here let's uh let's find some good let's see if we can find some good um well i'm a catholic right and let's do another oh, yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it's cool I'll... that people joined us, even though we're like early. So early, just a I big know. shout out to Our... to uh, y'all out there tuned in. Let's, That's pretty cool. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all the religions, really, because we have the most rules and the best clothes. We do not get a lot of humor here, and when we do, it's wonderful. You've been blessed. Thank you for the super chat, Ski Bro, the Hebro. Man, my uh, my phone is just ringing off the hook right now. People people really want to get a hold of me. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's go to Rob's requested topic of the day. It is First Corinthians. Now I got to find this. Hang on, sorry. I gotta find this because this was a really good one. Um, I'm so sorry. I should be more prepared for this, but I'm not. That's all right. Okay, here we go. I found it. Katie. Katie wrote in and said this. I agree 100% with everything you guys say here. She's commenting on a. She. It's not a blanket statement of all of our theology. Okay. Here, the qualifier. Yes. Here, the qualifier is uh, a YouTube video that she's commenting on. So, and I, all. Full disclosure, I don't remember what video she commented on. That's not the point of this uh, comment. She says, I am curious, how would you explain the proper interpretation of 1 Corinthians 10.23? And uh, we're going to go 10.23 and 10.24. Let me get there real quick. Bring up uh, 1 Corinthians 10.23 through 24. And let's read it real quick. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Okay, so let's keep going with Katie's comment here. She says, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24 in the CSB, and then she quotes it. And then she says, everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. This has been presented to me, basically backing up this this guy's argument that all things are permitted, but on the flip side, so as to say, well, all things are permitted so we can eat pig or work on the Sabbath, etc. I think my explanation probably left a lot to be desired. So I would love to hear how you guys would explain it better than me. You want me to go first here, Rob, or, or do you yeah, want to go? Yeah, you go, you go for it, man. Yeah, okay. So there was a, this was years ago. I don't remember where it was. I think it was in Boston. There was a, there was a great paper at the ETS one year. And uh, this guy said that he was going to take his paper and write a book. He probably did. And it was all on the Corinthian slogans. Now, if you don't know what Corinthian slogans are, I'm going to attempt very quickly to explain this. Now, keep they in mind- They were not a softball team. Yes, exactly. They Well, maybe they were. How do you know, Rob? Do you have evidence of, of such a, a claim? Anyway, not the point. This guy uh, presented a 45-minute paper, which was excellent. No, dude, the Greeks hated baseball. <laughs> they were no soccer fans? They had a, or softball. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry. Yeah, they were wiffle ball players. Anyway, so the, the here is what, uh, what the paper entailed, it, it basically, is that uh, throughout 1 Corinthians, 
What Paul is doing is he's taking what they call Corinthian slogans. And the Corinthian slogans are sayings that the Corinthians would say. Things like, hey, all things are lawful. And this was kind of like a catchphrase. You'd walk in, hey, you know, uh, sorry, we, we didn't mix the wine with water today. Ah, that's okay. All things are lawful, right? I mean, that's like... They, they have these catchphrases, okay? We have the same kind of thing in our, in our, uh, in our day-to-day world in English as well, right? What, I'm, I'm trying, this is top of the head. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head here. I'm trying to think of a, uh, a slogan. Well, I can't right now, but that's okay. Well, just consider something. I'm sure the chat room is going to help me out here, okay? So you got uh, s- slogans right? Like all things are lawful. What, what Paul does in, this is my understanding. And I think it's all good. That's a good one. So it's all good, right? That's a, that's a slogan, like a, an American slogan, right? Um, 12 in one hand, half, half dozen the other, right? Or whatever it is. I don't know. I, yeah. My slogan's off. Anyway, <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying, right? You get, you get what I'm saying. We have slogans today. Okay. So what, what Paul is doing is he is, in my understanding of this passage, and there's other places in Corinthians as well uh, where he takes uh, Corinthian slogans, but this is a perfect example. All things are lawful. So what he does is he quotes the Corinthian slogan. Now, he's not going to tell everybody, hey, by the way, this is a Corinthian slogan, because the Corinthians already know all these slogans. So he just quotes the slogan, all things are lawful, and then he gives his response to that slogan. And the thing, the way that we know that this is most likely the case is because what he says next is directly contradictory to it. It's almost like he's making fun of it. Like, all things are lawful. Yeah, right? Okay, if all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. So not all things are lawful because they can't help me in my walk. All things are lawful? Oh, yeah? Well, that's not true because not all things build up, right? So he's he's contrasting the Corinthian slogan with his response to the slogan, which is, this is wrong. You Corinthians know better than this. Stop sleeping with your mother-in-law and, uh, and get on, on the train of Torah. This is exactly what he's saying. Okay. That's my, that's my belief, my interpretation. Go. Yeah. And that, that's, there's two way, two important, um, considerations. And the first is exactly what Caleb was talking about. Um, one way you can look at it is in this I think it's in, translated the word concerning in a lot of English translations, but in Greek it's peri. And the first time he introduces this is is Romans, or sorry, first we're in First Corinthians, First Corinthians seven one. He says peri concerning the things which you wrote about, right? And then da, da, da. then from there on, several times he'll say like peri now concerning virgins, right? Or then he'll say. Um, in eight verse one concerning things sacrificed to idols. Right. It, it, and, and um, in first or chapter 12, one concerning spiritual gifts and then 16, one concerning the collection, this reflect, he's not going to say concerning what you wrote about every single time. Right. But what we need to remember is this teaches us that Paul is in, he's already been to Corinth, right? He's in, I don't know exactly the timeline, so I could be I believe he's already been to Corinth at this time. Rome, when he wrote Romans, he hadn't been there. He wants to visit Rome. Right, right. Corinthians, and he has he's an in ongoing... Corinth. Go ahead. I think he's in he's in Corinth, isn't he? No, maybe I'm wrong. I, I write this in my commentary on Acts, where he's at when he's in Romans, because yeah, okay, we have pretty so good evidence me, of this. I, I'm not fresh on, on, uh, on the timeline of the different missionary journeys, so take that with a grain of salt. But the, what, what we do know is he's got two letters... To the Corinthians, we know that he was deeply engaged with that community. Right. We know he spent, I think it's in Acts, where he was there for a year and a half. Right. For 18 months. Yep. So, and that's every Shabbat teaching. Okay. And so, more. So, and more. He, probably more than just on Shabbat, right? Right. I mean, oh, he was, for he sure, was with for the sure. community. And he lived next to the synagogue. Right. Okay, so if I remember right, okay, so my point is just that we just need to remind ourselves, like when we're reading the Corinthian correspondence, it is, we want to pay attention to these special circumstances, right. that this is yep. a, a highly engaged Paul with, he loves his community, and he's deeply 
invested in helping them, shepherding them, pastoring them, and guiding them from their false understandings by the power of the gospel and the truth of the scriptures to help them right. learn and and get rid of false ideas and and to be anchored in the truth. And that's a that's a long-term labor. He wouldn't stay at a place for a year and a half unless there was a lot of work to do, unless God had a lot of work for him to do there. And even a year and a half is just a drop in the bucket over the lifetime of a community. You know, a year and a half is is not much. Uh, and so we have the letters as a sub, uh, what do you call a supplemental aspect of his ministry in Corinth. And so just like when we're in a conversation with someone we care about, we are going to be a good listener and we're going to echo back. Okay. This is what I hear you say. And regarding this thing that, that you're saying, let me offer my reply. And it's important to do that with just general good communication so that the person knows that you're just not waiting to just, you know, railroad them or, or bulldoze them with you, what you have to say. You're actually showing this, like, look, I, I understand your viewpoint and 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 I've taken time to hear it and now I'm going to respond. And and Paul does that. So all the more we need to be careful readers of Corinth, uh, of the Corinthian correspondence. And I don't know the title of the book you're talking about, but yeah, their scholarship has been done. The idea of calling these slogans or or the things and uh, is is very valuable. That everything is lawful is a big one, of course. Um, because we know that that's not true, right? And and we know that Paul doesn't believe that. Exactly, exactly. So the other, so that's the one angle is to recognize that. The other that I just wanted to point out is this everything. I noticed I looked up the Net Bible. They have all things because it's in in chapter six. All things are lawful for me, but not everything is beneficial. All things are lawful for me, for me, but I will not be controlled by anything. In chapter 10, he repeats it again. But for some reason, the net Bible there goes, everything is lawful, but not everything is beneficial, right? Everything is lawful, so they but not everything it. builds or, uh, others up. So again, we have Paul interacting. All the more we know that that's a slogan because it's it's not just in chapter six, it's also in chapter 10. Um. Wallace okay, is but, such a great, uh, such a great Greek scholar. But sometimes I scratch my head when I read the net. I mean, he was the general editor of the New Testament. Who was Daniel Wallace? He's the general editor of the net. Of the even New the Testament. second, the second edition, even. Yeah, he's the, he's oh. responsible for the Ass Bible. For the what Bible? The Ass Bible. In the pre in the preface to the second edition of the <laughs> of the Net that. Bible, he he accidentally hit an extra S when in the preface when saying as, and it has been deemed the Ass Bible. <laughs> He's responsible, and he, I heard him talk about that in one of his presentations. That is that's great. That's so great. <laughs> okay, I wanted this this idea of all or every, everything, or all. It's just a Greek uh, a Greek word. And he, I just wanted to give other examples where Paul uses all in 1 Corinthians. This is not all of them, <laughs> but this is just to give you an idea. <laughs> so uh, in 1 Corinthians 2.15, the one who is spiritual discerns all things. Okay, discerns all things. 1 Corinthians 6.18 um, every or every sin, but it's all or all sin that a person commits outside of the body. Oh, sorry. Every sin is how it's translated. A person commits is outside of the body. Right. Well, then it gives a qualifier. But but the the fornicator sins against his own body. Right. So there the all is constrained by the exception. Um, right. Right. In 923, I do all things because of the gospel. Well, he doesn't cross-dress. Right. He, he's not, you know, into bestiality. So all things, panta here, it's the same word, is naturally is constrained by the purpose and intent of covenant blessing, right? I mean, okay, so 1025, eat anything, it's the word anything, anything sold in the marketplace, eat. 
okay, is that a law that that means, oh, they're selling tarantula, tarantula is on sale yeah. today and that's all I can afford? Well, Bible <laughs> right. says eat it. You know, Paul says this is a command. I got We're at eat. the Wuhan market. All, Let's, uh... all, things, all things in the marketplace eat. Right. Okay. No, that's not what it means. Right. Um, t- uh, 10, again, in chapter 10, 1031, whatever you eat and drink, Whatever you do, right? All things, do all things to the glory of God. Panta, same word, all things. Well, right? It's all things. The implication is, is to recognize covenant membership, recognize the blessings of abiding in the word of God. By grace, we are saved through faith, etc. And letting that be the liberty and space of freedom for your walk on this world rather than the contrary, which is this works of the law approach where you, where it's like, no, I don't do Orthodox union. I need, I need uh Rebbe Schneerson's kosher, kosher <laughs> right, sign. Right, right. Right. Or I'm not going to eat with you because you, you know, we've talked about the LL airlines and the, how many different kosher certifications there are on the airline between Israel, you know, tell uh, between Tel Aviv and New York Right. And it's like, well, right. yeah, I'm not going to eat that one because I don't my Rebbe, my Rebbe doesn't like that Rebbe for back how many generations. OK, that's what Paul's dealing with when he's saying this. I'll just give a few more. Just please. How about the famous chapter that we've all heard many times it, uh, is First Corinthians 13. It's all about love. Well, guess what? Love bears panta. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Oh, so if 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 someone tells me Satan is God, if Paul right. says, "Well, love believes all things," so I have to right. believe that. Right. No, why 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 is it why? Because we recognize that Paul's use of this panta, all things, is constrained by our position in covenantal community, right. and 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 the and the expressed will of God pertaining to covenant blessing here here again first corinthians 1440 panta the same exact same word all things do in a decent and orderly manner okay so so you know you know does that mean he's saying it's okay to sin but as long as you do it in an orderly manner it's all good yeah don't don't do all your sins at once just make sure you line them up and (laughs) and and clean up afterwards No, Panta here is constrained. It's it's a given, and and to have to like, no one's going to think here. Well, Paul says all things do decently and in order. He, that doesn't mean rob just you know rob one bank at a time. Like it would be ludicrous. So, um, and then finally sixteen fourteen Panta. All things are to be done in love. Well, what if, what if, if I want to rob a bank, we'll do it lovingly and you're fine. God's you're not on God's bad side. I just wanted to give a, a, several examples of this Panta to show just from first Corinthians itself, because then we can just re- we're not having to give connections to other letters. We can just say within this one epistle by the same author, we understand panta, all things, to be uh, constrained by covenant uh, obligations. And, and, and the obligations are good because th- those who love God are, it, it's, not a, it's, not a, uh, it's not a pain, it's a joy. And so when he says everything is lawful and then gives the qualification, he is trying to help them understand the difference between the word of God and the traditions of men, be they tra- traditions of Jewish sectarianism or traditions from a uh, pagan Corinthian, you know, idol worship. Right. My boy's wicked smart. All right. I love it. I love it. Someone, asked, I just, uh, David Woodall, is that the name of the presenter? Josh asked it. It might be. I don't know. I don't. T- to be honest with you, I don't think so because David Woodall. Woodall, if I remember correctly, David Woodall is older. This guy was in. Se- he was in seminary, 
I think he was writing his PhD dissertation on the Corinthian slogans and the ands when we, when I was there, this was in Boston. So this is, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, but when he was presenting, I remember that it was right before, um, it was right before Kaiser's talk. So it's been, you know, a, a while, but, um, he had spoken to a publisher there at the ETS and they were talking about publishing his, his, uh, his work. So anyway, <clears throat> okay, let's move on. We have a little bit of time. We got just over 10 minutes. So I think that that's enough for us to do Jeremy's question. Hey guys at Messiah matters. You touched on a topic that I think is really important for those of us in the Torah or in the one Torah perspective, that being that justification and righteousness are not due to human works slash Torah observance. And he gives a timestamp of the video that he is uh, referring to, to what do you think about Deuteronomy 6 25 and how that fits? This is a great question. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6 25. So, uh, context is that, uh, God is, you know, Moses is giving the Torah, but you know, God's talking through Moses telling them, look, I brought you out of Egypt. Um, I've done all these things. Let's see here. Uh, 22, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord, our God, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Now, verse 25, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Okay, there's two interpretations here that I could give. Uh, now, is there two interpretations? Probably not. Probably means one thing. However, we'll apply it to two because if I give the first interpretation, people are going to say, no, 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 that's you're you're trying to dance around it. This, this is not what you're saying. And so we'll have to give a second interpretation in case somebody wants to take, take it the second way and not the first way. Okay. I think that I personally, this is my personal interpretation of this. I think that Moses is talking to the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel finds righteousness in keeping the covenant as a nation together. And so the, the nation of Israel is righteous if they do what? Well, once a year, they have to come for Yom Kippur and sacrifice the Yom Kippur sacrifice, right? And then, then what happens? Then the nation of Israel is forgiven for, for its sin, right? Uh, it has to maintain the Shemitah years. It has to maintain the rest years for the land. It has to uh, maintain the Jubilee years, right? If it doesn't, what happens? then Israel as a nation is exiled from the land of Israel and they are put into the land of their enemies. So it's talking about Israel as a nation keeping the covenant and the way that Israel as a nation as a whole uh, is seen as righteous is if they do what the Lord has commanded them to do. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't individuals who are not doing the right thing. It doesn't mean that there aren't individuals who are righteous before God. How do we find justification before God? I would say we find justification through faith in the Lord, in the coming Christ or in the Christ that has come, depending on which side of that you're on, and having faith that he will deal with sins. This is how we find righteousness. Now, if we want to take this on the individual, even though it talks about Israel as a nation in the plural in the in this passage, even though that's the case, if we want to take this on a personal note, which I don't believe it should be taken, but let's just for the sake of argument say that that's what we're going to do. I would go to James, and James talks about the fact that um, we are that we are justified by works. He says that he says that in the text. You are therefore justified by works. What does that mean? It means that if you say that you have faith, in other words, if Abraham got circumcised and he didn't believe God enough to actually walk according to the law, walk according to the Torah, walk according to what God had told him to do, then he doesn't have real faith. You know, we see this a lot, even in the Messianic movement or the Torah movement or whatever you want to say, people will come to, um, to they'll say that they have faith in Christ, Right. And they'll come into the synagogue or whatever, and then they get way into rabbinics. And then what happens? They reject Christ and they just go to the regular synagogue. Guess what? That person never had enough faith to actually make Yeshua their Lord. 
Because making Yeshua your Lord means that you follow him, means that you believe enough to actually maintain faith. A person who has true faith doesn't walk away from Christ because if they had true faith, then they would never be able to do that. They would know in their heart that Yeshua is Christ. He is, he is the Messiah. And so right. he is the master. And so the point that I would say is, yes, if we have faith that justifies us, then the, uh, the outpouring of that, the proof of that faith is a keeping of God's commands. It is, it is a obedience to God. If we don't have the obedience to God, we're not righteous. And we don't find righteousness there because we don't have faith. The two go hand in hand. And I think, honestly, one of the big travesties is the idea that you can separate faith and obedience. Now, this does not mean that I do something and all of a sudden I gain salvation. God doesn't look at me and say, okay, well, he's done this, 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 and this, so I guess I'll save him. God saves us, we become covenant members, and then we walk out that faith. And the righteousness that comes from the Torah, is it righteousness? I'd say yes, but it's righteousness because it works with faith. We are able to keep the commands. We are able to be seen as righteous because uh, we've already been washed clean by the blood of Christ. If we don't have that, then all we're doing is works. And guess what? God says to the nation of Israel in, in Isaiah 1, stop bringing your stinking sacrifices. Why? I thought those made Israel righteous. Well, God says, no, it's a heart issue. Your heart isn't right. So there is more that's going on than just doing the commands, Rob. Exactly. Yeshua, and another way that we're, we learn that from scriptures is Yeshua uses, he calls faith a seed. Uh, right? Faith is a seed, and then you see what it grows and it becomes. And and you judge a tree by its fruit. So the, the idea is that a seed, a seed that never grows anything, never bears any fruit. And so good fruit, though, is are, are things that are judged by the Torah as good, right? And, and, and that's what's talking about here. So I, I brought up some other verses here on my Bible, digital Bible, just to, to show that the word in question here is um, tzedakah, right? Tzedakah. In the Greek, it's dikaiosune, right? That's the word, the famous word that Paul uses. It's probably one of his most frequent theological terms, dikaiosune, or tzedakah, because it's exactly this point that we need to get faith and then the the seed and then the the plant that that seed produces over time and the fruit that it produces. We need to get that in order. Um, uh, I'll just shoot out a couple of verses. In Genesis 18, God says, for I have chosen Abraham, that is, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Adonai by doing tzedakah, by doing tzedakah umishpat, that's that's righteousness and justice. So, and that's to do, la'asot tzedakah, right? To do, that the children of Abraham, that's how we are to be, behave in the world, right? right. It's, it's behavior. This is how you're supposed to behave this way. Just like good parents will guide their children to behave in ways that are said, this is how we behave. We don't behave that way. We behave this way. And that's, you know, as children, we grow up and we learn what that is. Um, but but we need to address the Deuteronomy 6 passage. So it's the same word, tzedakah. It will be righteousness, lanu. You're correct, Caleb, but that's collective. It's for us, plural. Um, but I just want to say we need to go a little further into Deuteronomy 7 and then a little further into Deuteronomy 9. Deuteronomy 7, Adonai did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number, etc. Right. Because you're you not, were fewest. You're, you're nothing special. But verse 8, but because Adonai loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, he brought you out. Yep. So he's saying... This is the same book, Deuteronomy. You just go to the next chapter. So righteousness there in Deuteronomy 7, he's training them to recognize that obedience coming out of, a, a, it's the redeemed people that are being taught to behave righteously. Redeemed people. Right. People who are uh, whose hearts are hardened 
from the depravity of their slavery to sin just to start grabbing rules out of the Torah and doing them, thinking that somehow this is going to produce good fruit from God's perspective is mistaken. And that that's what Paul's saying. Finally, go, go two more chapters to Deuteronomy 9. Do not say in your heart, right? Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land, right? Verse 5, it is not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess the land. It's because of the wickedness of these other nations. And then, it, so you can go on and you can see um, uh, more and more of, of these kinds of... Uh, but, okay, I, I, complete, I completely agree with what the Torah says and with what you're saying. I, I just think that we, we need to also make the point. Look, if you, if you go and you cheat on your wife... Are people going to say, well, that's unrighteous? Of course they're going to say that's unrighteous. So if you're sinning, it's unrighteousness. So does that, I mean, what is, just logically, what is the flip side to, say, to that? If you keep the Torah, if you keep the commandments of God, if you are steadfast because you love God and because you are a covenant member, what can we say? Is that righteousness? Yeah, of course. It's righteousness to keep what, to do what God says. The, now, the clarification there is that righteousness does not save us. I'm not going to make myself saved a covenant member because I have kept the, the, the commands of God. It does not work like that. If we, the question would be, why do we keep the commands of God? The answer is we keep the commands of God because we are covenant members, because we've already been made covenant members. We have been brought into a covenant, and now we keep the covenant because we are covenant members, because we are in a personal relationship with God. And I would say the same thing holds true for the nation of Israel. Um, you know, at, at this point, the nation of Israel is wayward, and they are not keeping the covenant. And because of that, they're having a difficult time, man. It's not just they're not keeping the covenant. They can't keep the covenant, back to our first conversation, they cannot keep the covenant unless they do it with the intermediary, which is Christ, with which is Yeshua. You have to have Yeshua as a part of that. Otherwise, your uh, your works are just filthy rags. Well, in a way, it's like just like the Samaritans rejected the Davidic dynasty, um, but God kept building, you know, for, for the Jews who rejected, Yeshua, they're kind of, it's it's different in a lot of ways, but they're kind of adopting the same heart attitude that the Samaritans had about Jerusalem and the Davidic dynasty. Um, but yeah, it's righteousness is an important topic. It's good that we're talking about it. I'm glad people are curious. And, um, you know, Yeshua says, he says, uh, let your light shine before others. What does right. he mean? It means that they'll see your good deeds and they'll glorify right. your father in heaven. So that doesn't mean that we're doing things in order to be seen for the purpose of getting attention. That's that, that is, that's where Yeshua says they have their own reward, right? They're, they're getting the best seats. They're being, they're being greeted rabbi. They're being invited to all the parties. That's their reward. Why? Because, well, the purpose of, of, covenantal life and light in the world is not achieving its purpose. It achieves its purpose when people see your life and somehow they're, they, they see God there. It, it, they see it, somehow the father is glorified um, through that. And that those are deeds that are righteous. Those are deeds, deeds that glorify Yeshua and, and, uh, are evident of evidence of the gospel of, of Messiah's love. Those are righteous. Chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. That's our email address. Go ahead and send it on in to let us know what you want us to talk about and uh, questions you might have, comments you might have. It doesn't matter. You can also shoot us a comment on our comment line, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. We will be back next week, I believe. Oh, well, of course, more, most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, we will be back next week for another 
one of our shows. And um, somebody asked about our, our time. So right now, we don't premiere our Mystery Bible Theater 3000. However, that is a new show that comes out at 9.30. It just appears. It doesn't stream. It just appears 9.30, and it's it's pre-recorded. But that one appears at 9.30 on Fridays. And then our live show is currently... Currently, our live show is on Wednesdays at 9.30. However, there has been calls in the chat room for 8.30 start time, and I'm talking Pacific times. So anyway, maybe we'll pull the 36 and see what uh, see what they say. Anyway. You have to, um, you have to show your uh, 36 valid ID card. Yeah, exactly. To vote. Present that. To vote. All right. We hope. No mail-in voting. This conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why? Because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.